everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 65, Something Pithy This Way Comes, recorded September 9th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. Dot com. Yes, you got to say it all dramatic like that. Dot com. In a world where there are domain names, dot com is the most dramatic of them all. At least that's what they tell us. Com. So you, have you like may Kurt take going, our freedom, but you will never take our dot com. <laughs> all right. Com. Welcome back to Everyday Linux, everybody. Or we should just call it Everyday Lunacy, maybe. Um, my name is Mark, and with us, with me, as always, is Mr. Chris Knees, the command line godfather. Hiya, Christopher. Hello, hello, everyone in internet land. And, of course, the gooey kid, Seth Ethan Anderson. Hiya, Seth. Oh, man, I hate you with a burning passion <laughs> rarely seen on this earth. I hate that name. <laughs> Why? Nice. Sorry, it just rolled off the tongue. I, I did, you know, that's what you get for being on a show with a guy who's known you more than half your life. Yeah, that's true. It has been a while. So yeah. Touché. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome so just, to our show. Just pretend I didn't say that. I can't edit it out. So I'll tell you up front. My uh, recording rig. Uh, I've had laptop issues galore here lately, uh, and the one that I use to record on that has Audacity on it. Uh, was working fine on Thursday night when I last used it. Today is Sunday. I turned it on, and it gave me the old Windows can't find system something something dot something, insert the disk, and press R to recover. So I have uh, Spinrite running on it right now. So if you hear some bleeps and bloops throughout the show, that's what that is. Maybe I can get it back. Maybe you all can just finally fork over some money, and I can buy a new laptop. Really, <laughs> two years you've been listening to the show, and you've not paid me a dime. Knock it off. Send me money, please. Or <laughs> buy something from elementop.com slash Amazon. Buy lots of something. It would have lots to be lot, it would have to be a car to get me because <laughs> I only get like one percent. So if so, you if you yeah. buy a car, I can get an e machine. <laughs> so come on, guys, help us out. Buy two cars. Buy your next house at elementop.com slash Amazon. <laughs> and uh, in thirty years once all the payments are made. I can get a laptop. No, or seriously. Um, I don't. I don't generally like to beg for money. Uh, I, I like to say if if we produce content that's good enough, you will uh, decide to pay for it, or enough people will hear about it that somebody will pay for it for you. That's uh, that's what advertisements are, right? Third party payer system. You you like it enough? People like it. You know. I mean, somebody's paying for that NFL game you're you're watching, right? It's Bush, uh, beer, and and Budweiser and those guys. So. Uh, uh, anyway, that, I just kind of went off off on a tangent there, but I really am having uh, I, I've you know been doing this show tightwad style now for a couple of years. I'm using old equipment and it's falling apart. And if anybody out there has some spare money you'd like to throw my way, elementop.com, click the tip jar. Everything you send me does go right back into the show. So that's it. That's my commercial. That's my begging. The elementop telephon has just ended <laughs> for today. For today. <laughs> Please give give fifty cents a day. Less than a cup of coffee would do no good at all. Well, unless we had a bunch of people, like if everyone who's ever heard of the show gave us fifty cents a day. Wow! By two months, we might have enough for an e machine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Man, so this e machines this week, junk as usual. We, we've sort of abandoned topics on this show. Uh, largely because we ran out of them and you haven't given us any. So I'm just blaming everything for you. You're the reason my hardware is failing. You're the reason we have any shows. Um, I'm just blaming the listeners for everything. Um, well, we have a very sure. mac, and, mac and, I can't say that word. But you know, um, mac. What's the <laughs> word I'm trying to say? <laughs> Machiavellian. No, no. Um, they you beat up on yourself. Mac, mac oh. masochistic audience. Masochistic. There we go. Yeah, okay. that's the word. What's that group of people? They were religious people, the not the Essenes, the the Gnostics. No, the the people who whipped themselves in the that back. That was the, that was the Gnostics. Was that it? It was it was in the the movie um, with Tom Hanks where he was the Da Vinci Code. Anyway, wow, yeah. 
we just totally went off the 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 deep end there but anyway um in, in, in the warm-up section so. in lieu of an actual topic we're just going over news stories which is what this show has been the last few weeks and that's all right i kind of like it actually not, not having to be constrained with like an actual topic and an outline and you know professionalism it's it's much nicer when you can throw off those bonds of repression <laughs> throw your chains to the wind be free i say be free so our first thing is not really a link it's not really an article but it's something that should be near and dear to everyone in our audience's heart and that's that this week yesterday actually as of the recording marks the 46th anniversary of star trek 46 years ago uh, bones and scotty and kirk beamed into our lives and the world has never been the same since did you see the Google Doodle yesterday? I did. That was awesome. I did. It's a whole story. I don't know if you've noticed it. It's not just yeah. a, it's not just a thing, but you click through and the red guy, you know, that's awesome. <laughs> I I did not do them all then. I did a, I did Captain Kirk's. That was kind of cool where he went and killed the the Gorn thing. That right. one was cool. Right, but but if that whole story is like when they're on the teleporter, the guy in red is crying because he knows he's about to, to get hurt. And then when he, he's the one who gets messed up and, hello, big giant wasp that just landed on me. That's not good. I'm not happy about that at all. <laughs> and tangent again. Wow. Now, yeah, that's that's a tangent worth taking. That thing is as big like as a the football. Size the one from the land of the lost. <laughs> that's right. That thing stings me. I, I don't. I'm not in pain. I'm dead. Good gosh. Okay, moving right along. Google Doodle. Go back and check it out. If you missed it, you can go to do, go, Google.com/doodles. That's a tongue twister right there. Um, and, only if you say so, Mark. And you can click through, and stuff is cool. Uh, what's going on in your lives, guys? Other than than being big Star Trek fans. Well, I got a new rig that I'm working on. That's almost ready for production, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. you thought you were going to do the show on it, but not so much. I thought so. I was this close, and I almost did. And then the stupid sound card decided not to recognize the headphones. Gotta love when that happens. Yeah, that's a bummer. All right. Yeah, I, um, I am catching up on some podcasts. I... Uh, you know, I, I mentioned last week I started drinking some Linux Kool-Aid and actually using my Linux box to uh, not really be productive, but kind of enriching my life. There's some uh, different podcasts that I quit listening to a year ago when I lost my company-provided iPhone, and uh, <laughs> I am picking them back up. So, yeah, I have something to do on my car rides to and from work now. Which is what? Like an hour and a half each way? No, it's just right under an hour. Okay. So... You see, that's my commute today uh, now, too, and it's only 22 miles. But the, thanks to the wonders of traffic, it takes me right at 56 minutes to go those 22 miles. I average 30 miles an hour. You know what the difference is between the metro Atlanta area and a post-nuclear apocalyptic wasteland? Better mm. close? <laughs> nah, there's not really one. That's why I was asking. <laughs> so. Uh, so Seth, I'm going to assume this one put you put this one in there. Uh, former President Clinton announces his support for the Hundred Year Starship Initiative. Huh? Yes. Um, this is an actual. It's a project started by uh, DARPA uh, to research interstellar travel, and like the goal is to within a hundred years to be able to travel to another star system. And they're having a uh, the Hundred Year Starship Public Symposium that starts September the 13th and he's going to be speaking there and he, uh, you know, and he's just kind of like telling people about it. So it's one of those things I don't, you know, probably nothing will ever come about it, but it's just kind of a, a cool thing. And it's kind of like a nonprofit thing. So, you know, we, we waste money on all kinds of stupid junk. We can waste some money seeing if it's possible to go to another star system, you know, not just another planet because, I mean, we probably have the technology today where we could go to another planet if we wanted to, but I don't know if we have the technology to be able to go to another star system in any one or two lifetimes. So, anyway, it's just, I came across the story and I thought it fit, you know, especially with it being the 46th anniversary of Star Trek, that a nice, uh, a space-themed uh, warm-up topic would be pretty cool. 
That's that's a neat idea. I mean, I think it's a great idea to to go where no one has gone before. <laughs> you know, I, but, uh, I as boy. much as I am into manned space exploration, there's we still haven't explored our own backyard. You know, we've sent what uh, eleven guys or so actually touched down on the moon. Uh, we've got a lot more to do uh, right here in our own backyard before we try start doing hundred year missions. Send the machines. I'm all for sending machines to Mars and things like that. Do that. I'm I'm yeah. good with that. But we're just not there yet to send people. The problem is we're never going to be there until we actually try to be there. We're we're not making any effort. I mean, there are no Mars missions. There are no missions of any kind really at NASA right now. They're they're bumming rides with the with the Russians and the Chinese up to this this International Space Station and and we got nothing. We invented space travel, people. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. And, where where are I we now? And now we've outsourced it to China. What's with that? Well, you know, we're outsourcing everything. China is our space agency. What are you talking about? So, uh, no, I read an article where uh, Voyager is about to hit the um, the edge of the solar system. Uh, Voyager 2, I believe. So uh, there was a thing talking about it. And, uh, you know, it's lasted and sending back data for much longer than they ever thought it would when they lost it or when they launched it. So, uh, you know, maybe it's going to be like Star Trek and Vigor and all of that stuff. So. <laughs> I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I think we owe it to our future to at least pretend that we care about space exploration, because even if you don't care about space, NASA and space exploration has brought us so many things. We would not oh, yeah. have Tang if it weren't for NASA. You wouldn't be carrying the, the, the cell phones that you have right now. We wouldn't have, you know, so many things. Velcro, for crying out loud. Tang, Mark. Tang. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I was understating the importance of that orange flavored drink. Obviously. The who knows what it is, drink? Yeah. And then, of course, we, we could put a whole lot of effort into exploring, oh, I don't know, the 70% of our planet that's underwater that we've barely even glanced at. There are lots of frontiers. We're just too now, afraid of them. We're going to pollute that. See, so <laughs> we don't have to explore yet. that's it uh, that's it so instead of going down to discover what's down there we make it so dirty that they crawl out and then we get to look at them and say oh that's what was down there see that explains I mean, it all it out. science revelation to our audience free of charge just a benefit <laughs> of the element op network that is brilliance right there i did i didn't know that it was that we had such geniuses at work all yeah. right that explains a lot too. So, uh, Kindle Fire or Kindle has announced a new device, the new Kindle Fire, um, yep. that may or may not be 4G. Um, and there is a higher version of that has 4G. Yeah. Well, but you see, the thing is, the 4G aspect has not been approved by the FCC yet, so it is they cannot sell it. And on all the advertisements, they have to post the caveat that it's like. It has not been approved uh, by the FCC and may not be available for sale in the United States. So, but um, truthfully, it, do you really think it's not going to pass? As long as they're following guidelines, they're going to pass. I mean, it's simple well, as that. Yeah, the thing is, though, they kind of developed their own 4G thing rather than taking a one and sticking it in there. And from what I'm reading on, it's just more the fact that you know, they haven't really ventured into the cellular territory before. And so it's more like, I think it's kind of a rookie mistake that they kind of, I think it will be approved, but I think they just started the approval process late and they, and somebody went, Hey, did we get this approved? And the person in the corner went, Oh crap. I knew I forgot something last month. What do you mean? You've never been to alpha Centauri. If you can't be bothered to keep up with local politics, that's your own problem. <laughs> for all you Douglas Adams fans out there. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, was, anyway. I was listening to the release. The They had a thing on CNET where they're going over the release notes with uh, about the fire and all the different versions of it now. And, you know, it, it's just, except for the ones that go up in size, all it is is a spec game now. It, it's They've upgraded this processor and the RAM and the onboard storage and this and that. All it is, is is moving up in, in specs so far. There really wasn't a whole lot changed between the original Kindle Fire and, the, and, the, and now the Kindle Fire HD, except for the specs. 
Well, but I mean, but that's been the case with laptops and desktops for the past 15 years. There hasn't been yeah. really anything new. They've just increased the specs. And from what I've seen, it's actual, you know, the first Kindle Fire was kind of a cheap toy-ish plasticky thing. And this one, they mm-hmm. seem to have uh, put some quality in it, even though I've never seen a picture or know anybody who has one. That's not going to stop me from commenting on it like an expert on this show. <laughs> I have one. The I new have one? one of the original Kindle Fires. No, the original Kindle Fire. Yeah. And the original Fire was built. It's bulletproof. My three, my four-year-old bounces it off her bed all the time, and it takes it without a hiccup. And it cool. also, I didn't know this, but it has an, a wireless N card in it. Because I was under the assumption it was a G product, and it's an N. So that was kind of a neat little realization just a couple days ago. Yeah, so uh, the new the new stuff, uh, you know, it's expected. Uh, it, there's actually no reason to expect it, but everybody expects that Apple will have a 7-inch tablet announcement in the next couple of months. So it's that's going to be the the next frontier is the 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 mid-sized device. We pretty much uh, got the phone at parity now. You know, Samsung copied everything the Android, that the Apple did, and we're good there. And and uh, you got the tablets. Everybody's catching up to the iPad. And like it, like you said, Seth, computers have been you know pretty much the same device no matter what you do for a long time. That's that's one of the things that I have uh, one of the troubles I have with uh, recommending Linux to people is I can't really give them a reason why. I know, I know, viruses, freeness, you know, no spyware, whatever. In the real world, there's not any real reason. They're all the same. And that's the same with phones now. People say, what phone should I get? Literally, my answer is pick the color you like because they're all the same. The operating systems are pretty much the same now. It's which ecosystem are you invested in? Do you have a lot of iTunes stuff? Get an iPhone. You have a lot of Amazon stuff? Get get an Amazon phone. phone which there aren't any yet but there will be i'm sure you have a lot of android stuff get an android phone. it's just you know it, they're all the same so it's interesting to see this uh rush to sameness that happens yeah uh and then yeah all you have to talk about is well this has the 1.16 gigahertz processor and that one has the 1.161 gigahertz processor so i gotta have that one yes keeping up with the joneses is all it is now but I will say I do like the fire. The one that the one device that during the announcements that really caught my attention though was the new the old or I shouldn't say old, it's the, the, the ink display, the paper white. That one actually has me intrigued. I actually want to see if I can find one that I can put my hands on it. Because for when I because the Kindle Fire is nice for everything but reading books. And I want to be able to read books on it. So it'd be interesting to see what that device is in my hands. Yeah, I had a Nook for a while, um, and I really liked the, um, you know, it had the e-ink, and it was really cool for actually reading. Now, I'm, I don't know if I'm a tinfoil hat guy. I'm more like a tinfoil visor kind of guy. <laughs> I just didn't like the fact that you had to load it up through Barnes and Noble, and they track everything you put on there and read. So, um, I, you know, and of course, I'm not saying that there's somebody, what did Seth read today? I just don't like the fact that they can look and say, oh, well, he's downloaded, you know, 15 books by this author, and he spent two or three or however many minutes or, or whatever in them. And I just prefer to not share that information. So uh, I ended up giving mine to a school district. Uh, I said they they were a person I know on Facebooks needed some stuff for their they have an underprivileged school district and I said hey would you like a Nook and they said yes so I said I have one for you. Oh, it was nice of you. I don't yeah. know if I'd give away my reading device, but well, I mean, I, I hadn't spent any money <laughs> on books on it yet, so. Yeah, I have I the w- Kindle and- app on my phone just because I feel like a an intelligent person supposed to. I don't have any books, uh, not even any free books. I've never read the readme on the kindle app i've never used it but it's there because it makes me feel uh in some way intellectual superior well i mean you know i'm i um i downloaded some of the free books on the nook and i looked at them and it, it was actually you know it wasn't too heavy and it would last you know weeks uh between charging and uh it it was it it was almost as 
easy as paper. You know, it it was like it looked the same as paper. So, yeah, and that's but the, and then you look at the Kindle fires and they're backlit and they're bright in your eyes and yeah, it it's just they're good for some things. Reading a book, they're not so good on. Yeah, see, what I want is an e-ink display with a backlight. That's, that's what the Kindle Paperwhite right. is. That's what I've heard. I haven't seen it, but I think that really is the best of both worlds. A backlight that you can turn on and off when you need to, and you get that, uh, um, well, it's not really a backlight, is it? It's a light, a front it's light. A si- it's, it's a, well, it's, yeah. it's, what it is is they have layers of, of, pa- of uh, that material, and then they have um, LEDs that shine through those layers on the corners. But because of the way that the, the and the layers are ridged in a certain way that makes it capture light better. Right. At least that's what the 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 release notes were. It's like so, if you have one of those Indiglo Iron Man watches, same sort of technology. Yeah, yeah, basically. But now I want to see. I want to actually hold it in my hand and see how much that light helps and how much it hurts. Because if it's if I can't sit in my living room and read a book on it in the middle of the day, I don't want it. Right. And which is where my problem is with the Kindle Fire. I have to sit in my living room with the brightness turned all the way up, shining in my face in order to read a book. And that's just, that's not what I want the device for. Yeah, I just don't read books, so that solves it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I've put down, let's see, I just finished mine. Uh, I think I've done 15 books through the fire since Christmas. Wow. So other than tablets and readers, the, the, the next sort of hot trend is tiny little underpowered uh, project PCs. You know, we've talked about the Raspberry Pi, uh, and there are other things out there, the Oval Elephant, the Mini X, the Cotton Candy, the Melee 1000, the MK802, uh, the QB board, the UG802. Uh, what else have I left out? There's tons of them out there. It's becoming this yeah. new thing, this, uh, uh, little system on a chip thing for about a hundred bucks with a USB port and an HDMI port and, uh, little project machines. And, and that seems to be, um, sort of the next big hobbyist thing out there. Yeah. But, you know, if you look at the specs, they would run XP great. A one gigahertz processor with a gig of RAM, XP would run really nice on that. <laughs> That's so, a good uh, point. Too bad uh, XP's I mean, you know, being killed. Yeah, or well, Puppy yeah, but Linux. No, I'm just, I'm just yeah, yeah. Puppy Linux. But, uh, you know, if you think back, it wasn't that long ago that that was great specs for a laptop. Right, yeah, and you know, and just a couple of years ago, it was good specs for a netbook. Right, and so, now, yeah, now, and now they're fanless, noiseless, low power. They use something like half a watt of power on average. Um, yeah, they're. I see. A, I see this becoming a big rush for certain devices, but I don't think it's going to be in everyone's house or homes right. for another couple of years. Well, it's like um, I said about the Raspberry Pi. We, we had this whole thing. It's yeah. I don't think people are going to buy these devices. I think they're going to build appliance, buy appliances built on these devices. Yeah. Well, that's kind of like, uh, I know I'm looking in the market for a new thermostat. I want one that's a little smarter than the dumb dial ones. So I've been looking at them, and there's been a couple that are, I would say, almost on the level of so smart that they need one of these little devices inside it. Yeah, well, you know, just think, pretty soon you're going to be walking around with your whole home server and all your music collection on your watch. You know, you're going to cache the internet. Yeah, well, I mean, no, you're going to cache the internet (laughs) on your watch for whenever you lose your connection. You know, have a a couple of petabytes of music and video uh, streaming. So, so this doesn't cool. have anything to do with anything, but I was thinking about the Google Glass earlier today. I was I was in church. I was watching my pastor with his reading glasses. He'd put them on to, to read this, the scripture and then take them off to talk, put them back on. And I thought, you know, that's that's like what Google Glass is going to be like. If they ever actually invent those things, you're going to put them on to look stuff up. Or let me look that up. So you put your glasses on, you'll glance around uh, a couple of times, and you'll take them back off to have a conversation. And uh, so people who don't wear glasses anymore, like you know, like reading glasses, you don't wear glasses, but you just need them to read. Now you're going to need them to look stuff up for to settle a bar bet. You know, let me wait. What actor was it? Let me check IMDb. And you put your glasses on. Then you blink a couple of times and you wink and you you twitch your nose like Samantha Sabrina the Witch. Um, and then then you put it back down and say, Yeah, that was uh, Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, there's a name I pulled out of my hat from the '80s. Wow. I was just talking about him a week ago. That's creepy. 
So anyway, no, that doesn't have anything to do with anything. It just popped into my head. I was thinking, as as what's the new interface, right? Watches, the Dick Tracy watch. We've all talked about that. Oh, you know, yeah. we've talked about uh, Google Glass and, um, you know, the it's phones. Phone. You know, I keep my phone <laughs> clipped to my belt all the time. And, and you know, again, I was in church, and, and when we needed to look up a scripture, I pulled out my phone and did it. And uh, so what's what's that going to be in a few, feature, a few years? Seth said it's going to be a watch. Uh, Google's betting on the eyeglasses. But I think that's because everybody at Google's a nerd and has glasses anyway. Um, what's it, <laughs> maybe a contact lens that you insert that's just always yeah, that's there. An idea. But contact, a microchip at the base of your spine. Yeah, see, contact lenses suck so much that I spent $4,500 to not ever have to wear them anymore, to have LASIK. So I don't think I'm going to be rushing out to buy contact lenses just so I can to view the Internet. But no, a cybernetic it, implant. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, that's so much safer right now. Right. I just want to shove a chip to... in my head. It'd be like Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, see, I'm just making old cultural references left and right. So, yeah, get get a... Dude, I was thinking about Johnny Mnemonic today. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for bringing back that, that thing Friday. <laughs> <laughs> see, we're there. We're all on the same wavelength. We hadn't that's talked about this creepy. at all. Yeah. Oh. Why would you watch that movie? I watched that movie once and regretted it ever since. I didn't realize what it was until I saw the dolphin and I was trying to figure out what the movie was. I'm like, I know this movie. What is this? And all of a sudden the dolphin showed up. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm watching that. And, and then I turned it off. Like, it, according to that movie, the way you're going to browse the internet in the future, is you're going to put these gloves on and you're going to clap and then you're going to, you, you're going to do this sort of thing. And, and weird, um, eighties retro vector graphics are going to pop around all over the place. And that's the internet. Yeah. Which is kind of a different idea. I mean, that's kind of what Google Glasses is supposed to be, isn't it? Connect. Yeah. It's basically connect, connect right. with that. It's graphics. Google Glass and Connect put together. That's it. That's there the you go. that's the Minority Report interface. It's <laughs> it's Connect. Ah no. <laughs> so now it's instead of carpal rough. tunnel syndrome, typists are going to get tennis elbow because they're going to be swinging their arms around all over the place. <laughs> Could you imagine it? You can't go to work because you strained your shoulder. Well, I can't do my job. You're an accountant, but I can't use a computer. <laughs> well, wow. think about it. If you have the Google glasses and they and they malfunction, and that light that shines into your eye is too bright, so now you're blind because of Google glasses. Perfect or way to assassinate somebody. Replace it with a laser. Then they yep. put them on. It burns into their back of the brain. It kills them, and it's untraceable. That's, or, that's a new spy movie pro, uh, uh, <laughs> plot right there. Yeah, or you get an eye twitch, and then you get fired for looking at porn on your work computer. <laughs> <laughs> but I had something in my eye. It was allergies. I swear it was just allergies. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what H uh, Wouldn't you love to see the HR claim on that one? Or, you know, when you do the wink and a gun, hey, baby. What are you going to pull up when you do that? Oh, no, I just <laughs> I just fired nukes at Libya. Or some guy comes over, hey, were you winking at my girl? <laughs> no, I was looking at a spreadsheet, I promise. <laughs> Is that what you're calling it now? Oh, wow. Oh, we just, we're we going went down the rabbit hole. Yeah, and ate the <laughs> rabbit for dinner. Um <laughs> Okay, so what is this one about? Uh, yet another story about Android activation numbers. It's, what is this? Every six weeks we have to do this story about how uh, Android activations are one billion a day or something? Well, this is actually about uh, tablets, and it's talking about how the – I mean, Apple still activates more tablets per day than Android, but Android is building up to a pretty significant number, um, about 70,000 a day. And, um, uh, Apple is like a little under 190. So Apple still has a huge tablet lead, but, um, a lot of this is thanks to the, uh, Google, the next seven. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at Android, it seems like, you know, of course, they were late getting to the show, but they're, they're seeming to uh, gaining some traction in the tablet world. So, and that, that's just, you know, I mean, we're everyday Linux, so we should talk about Linux stuff and how it stacks up in the real world. You know, I, every, every now and then I get feedback. Not a lot. You people don't talk, uh, talk much on this show. Uh, but every now and then I get feedback and, and people will say, you know, you didn't do enough 
you know, hard Linux. I, you know, I, I want you to talk about how to configure, um, you know, a, a machine from the command line without using any compiler. I want you to, to write assembly from Notepad. Um, and, and, and do that. But it, this is everyday Linux, right? And the everyday Linux is your phone and your tablet and your, your Raspberry Pi. That's the Linux we see every day. And it's, you know, we, I think we need to, frankly, abandon this idea of Linux on the desktop. Or should we? Story to follow. <laughs> see, that's a teaser. That's a big market teaser right there. There you go. That was a good one, Mark. All right. You, you teased me right out of it, so uh, <laughs> I got to recover. <laughs> so. um, Gimp the magazine. What's that about, Sather? Yeah, they just released. Uh, you know, of course, Gimp is probably one of the wider known um, open source projects, and the Gimp magazine uh, it features like photography, digital arts, tips and tricks, and um, they just are releasing their first issue. So. Um, is it, is, is it a PDF or is it an actual magazine? Um, I'm sorry. I, really, I shouldn't ask you questions that aren't in the top paragraph of the article. My mistake. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can actually download it from the web. So I, I know that there's a – I was looking to see if I could see if there's a paper one, but it's uh, it's just an electronic uh, format at this point. I wonder so. if they use Photoshop to make it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably on like an Apple. So. <laughs> Well, GIMP works on Macs. Yeah, well, oh, and really? that's a good thing because I really like the GIMP, and there's always some things that I, I know it can do, and I never can figure out how to do it. So if there's these PDFs that you can reference, having an actual reference guide to it from other people that use GIMP might bring GIMP around. Yes, well, yeah, but this isn't so much going to be a reference guide. It's just kind of like a uh, you know a community forum type thing because I mean you know there's Photoshop magazines out there and there are how tos and stuff in it um, but it, it you know it's probably not official well I don't know it might be official GIMP but um, it says the anyway. goal of this project is to promote GIMP and related open source software we also want to promote the art and the photography created by the GIMP community using GIMP and related plugins to accomplish this we want to present the content at a professional yet cool looking publication this magazine yeah. is attended, intended to appeal to GIMP users, graphic designers, photographers, digital artists, web designers, developers, GIMP trainers, writers, and developers of GIMP. And let's not forget trying to appeal to those who might not, who might be considering GIMP as their next image package. Yeah, it uh, it includes a lot of like uh, GIMP resources with clickable links, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, like I said, if it's if they they start an article about how to make your your digital image that you took with a crappy, you know, Canon point and click and give it <laughs> some depth of field, that would be something I would actually read and figure out how to do. Because there's a lot of times where I have a great picture, but there's no depth of field and it kind of looks weird. Yeah, we'll just use an Instagram filter where it blurs out everything but the person's face and doesn't look anything like depth of field, but that's the name of the filter. All this and more at GimpMagazine.org. <laughs> Brought to you by Element OP. That's ElementOP.com. Slash Amazon. Um, I uh, am sort of a throwback in a few areas, and GIMP is one of those. I was using GIMP when GIMP wasn't cool, um, and uh, Audacity is another. I'm, I'm one of those guys who's been using those tools for a decade and a half or more. Um, you preach on, preacher. Yeah, and, and so... <laughs> I uh, was on a, a a workstation at work and uh, needed to do some editing of yeah, it's it's a long story but uh, nobody knew how to convert something from like a JPEG to a to a, a PNG or vice versa and format factory yeah well there's you know there's a billion ways to do that but um, I fired up my GIMP portable on my pen drive and. Uh, uh, basically made this whole new logo for this uh, uh, purpose that was a billion percent better than the logo that they had sent over via fax. Um, and everybody Aww. around me was like, that's amazing. How did you do that? You, you didn't even use Photoshop. No, I used GIMP. And, you know, in, in some circles, GIMP is widely known, but for the most of the world, they don't know what that means. They think it means a guy with yep. a limp. Uh, so I'm all for anything that uh, spreads the news about this really, really good tool. 
that's not intuitive. You look at it, and there's three windows and two long ones and a short one in the middle, and you don't really understand what it's good. What? Huh? But once you get into it, it's amazing. Audacity is the same way. It's not intuitive at all, but once you get into it, it's an amazing tool. It is. I will uh, contest to that as well. It's it's the best of both worlds, in my opinion. So it gets the Hannah Montana seal of approval. <laughs> sure. Once again, Seth brings up Hannah Montana. I'm a little frightened by that. So you I'm can, a little scared. <laughs> apparently, you can get Ultrabooks with Linux on them that aren't any cheaper than Ultrabooks with Windows on them. Go figure. Uh, right. And that's just, I mean, it's one of those, I'm sure, you know, of course the software is free versus, you know, a subsidized OEM, but the ones with Windows and even the Macs, you know, they have a lot more volume than um, the tiny market share of Linux. So, yeah, it was just, uh, I just thought it was kind of cool that you can actually get Linux Ultrabooks, um, and the specs are pretty much the exact same specs that you would get for an Ultrabook uh, with Windows on it, except it comes with um, you know several different flavors of Ubuntu or other things, as well as you can even get it with no OS if you want to put some other you know non-mainstream Linux distribution, one of the not top 100 <laughs> on it. <laughs> so. You know, harking back to last week, you can get um, the Satanic edition of uh, is Ubuntu. It Ubuntu. I see, I've Ubuntu already yeah, Ubuntu Satanic edition. edition. So, so yeah. I want. I wonder if DistroWatch has a uh, like a text output of their list because I would love to write a script that just randomly picks a distro off a of DistroWatch, and so I can just like live on the show push a button, and today's random distro of the week is Farf Linux. <laughs> and you know, and not do anything more than that. Just read the name because I think that would be awesome. It would be kind of entertaining. You know, I know on DistroWatch there's like a, the top 100 or whatever, so we could just have somebody guess a random number. And, uh, <laughs> That's cool. And say that number 95. No, I don't want to uh, do top 100. Chuck I want to the top one million. I want to go to that guy who one dude made it for himself and uploaded it uh, to DistroWatch, and nobody else has ever booted it. Because it only runs on uh, Commodore 64. That's I want that stuff in there, too. Man, that would be awesome. I, <laughs> I, would, I would play with that often. Uh, so, yeah, the, was, a friend of mine was asking me recently uh, about um, a thin, light, powerful laptop. And I said, what, what, what should you, what's out there? What should we do? And I said, go to your web browser of choice search for the words ultrabook and pick one um because that's what that's what intel designed that spec to be thin light and relatively powerful uh yep. and 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 you know being a geek i'm often amazed that people don't know that i just assume everybody knows that but they don't yeah uh and we take that for granted that not everyone runs in our circles i know i was like wait a minute you don't know that i thought everybody knew right. that uh, if i can do this all right. Um, and this one is just a little interesting tidbit that Seth threw out there. Um, uh, Multi-rollouts of Ubuntu desktop with the help of a tool called Booster. Yeah. Um, if you were, for example, if you had a lab of computers and you wanted to put Ubuntu, or it looks like it would work with like Mint or any Ubuntu derivative, you would basically set one up, get it, um, you know, installed all the different software packages that you want and whatever. And then you would do booster and, uh, you got to do a script and some pseudo app get stuff that Chris would, you know, he would salivate over and, uh, you can run that and basically have them all looking the same without having to go and spend the time uh, downloading all of the packages manually and installing them and configuring them. Yeah, so, it's not an imager. It's a web right. installer. So you set up your golden machine, just like you would with imaging. You set up your golden machine the way you want it. You run this tool. It saves a bootable flash drive. It pop, You put that in the machine. It then goes out and downloads the OS and everything you need to make it look like that original one. So it's not necessarily a time saver uh, or a bandwidth saver, but it is a labor saver. Yeah. Right. 
it's a cool idea. Um, I know there's Wait. been I, I've been trying to do that for a while on some other machines, so that I'll look into this a little deeper. And what's good about that deep. is you can use it across different hardware sets where imaging that's often difficult. You can it doesn't matter what size the image uh, hard drive is, it doesn't matter what uh, type of hardware it is. You can do it on a on a Dell machine over here and an ASUS over there because the installer fixes all that. You don't yep. have to mess with all the coning stuff. So uh, it's still you got to have a big, a uh, lot of bandwidth, and you got to have time on your hands. But uh, it uh, is an automated way to do that. So you can set them to run, and then you know leave, and they'll be ready in the morning. Which you know the early days of like Windows deployment was basically the same step. You know you'd have to do a text file, and you're downloading from a central location, and all that kind of stuff. So. You know, it's it's um, Linux polishing up their game and moving into tools outside of like a one-off, one-user kind of thing. Right. It's kind of uh, like Ninite for Linux. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's like I say, I thought it looks uh, it looks promising, and uh, it's pretty. Um, you know, obviously, it's not comparable to like if you're a, a Microsoft geek with SCCM. But then again, you know, Microsoft didn't always have an SCCM, and you would have to go through this same process with like a text file and answer file and uh, run uh, sysprep on your machines and all that kind of stuff. So uh, anyway, it's just, you know, Linux is growing. Yeah. All right. That would and be what it's fogs for. <laughs> yes. And on to uh, the, the tease that I gave earlier. Uh, a ZDNet article, five things Linux desktop has to do to beat Windows 8. And I think number one, I haven't looked at it yet, is don't suck. Uh, and that will pretty much cover it. Yeah. Well, yeah, the context of the article was like, uh, think back to 2007, you had the storm of netbooks and Vista gave Linux um, a chance, you know, to people would check it out to see. And Windows 8 is such a drastic change that uh, it's kind of the same thing. And so, you know, it's like Linux has another chance to make inroads into the desktop and mainstream world outside of Android. Um, but, uh, and it's just what, what are some things it can do? And uh, Stephen uh, Vaughn Nichols is the guy who wrote the article. And so he lists out five things that, in his opinion, Linux has to do to beat Windows 8 and establish itself as a real market, a real force on the desktop. Which I mean, you know, and you can argue that well, Linux has up to 10%, blah blah blah. But even if it has 10%, uh, which I would say that number is not right, that it's it's a bit player in the desktop, and uh, I would like to see that change. I don't know that I would like to see Linux dominate, but I would love to see a significant share for the Linux desktop. And just to run um, through the the list there, number five, uh, give independent software vendors more support. I think that's relatively self-explanatory. Number four, yeah. slow down the pace of change. I get that, definitely, because... I, um, I'm a little mixed bag on that one, too, though, because there's a reason yeah. why Linux changes so quick. It's because they make things better or fix bugs. So I would say maybe not do a GNOME 3, Right. Where well, you radically change something. Oftentimes in open source, it's release it broken, fix it later, um, and and that happens. You know, they call it stable release. But how many how many of you have actually had a very unstable install of the stable release until it's been out two or three months? So I think that's what yeah. they, what he means by slow down is just fix it right the first time and stop flip flopping on stuff you know now right. you know we like uh, we like also here now we don't like also anymore now we like uh, this other thing and, and now we like x11 but we don't like x11 anymore now we're going with wayland and you know uh, stop uh, stop being waffles yeah well, and it, it's I not think... don't update it don't change it right you know and and there's a big difference between those two uh, so yeah well, that's why I'm curious to. That's why I think next week, since uh, I'll tease it now, we're gonna try a, a swing at Open Susie's long or longer development cycled release. Um, this is a release that's been in the in the cooker for nine months instead of a normal six. So, it, will that change how well it's been, or will it be the same old broken Susie? Yeah, we'll we'll see next week. And number three, yep. work even harder to get low-level hardware support. 
NVIDIA, anyone? Yeah. Need we say more? Yeah. Or ATI? Yeah. Um, because these guys, at the, at the most, the they're releasing binary blobs that work. That's the best anybody's doing right now. But even most of them aren't. You know, yeah. can can you say Broadcom wireless adapter? Those are still nope. problematic. You yep. know, years later. Uh, number two, pound on PC vendors. Yeah, Dell experimented with it a little bit. So Lenovo has a little, but really try to make it happen. I don't know how you do that, frankly. But I would think with the resources that uh, Fedora had, the, the Red Hat company has, and the, the Shuttleworth Foundation have, uh, I would think they could put some pressure on some people to actually uh, get serious about releasing Linux desktops. Well, I yeah. agree. With, with, uh, with Shuttleworth and his name even, should be able to push a little of, of the vendors a little bit too. Um, and the But the PC vendors need to actually step up and not just kind of do the whole... This is that Linux thing where they hold right. it at arm's length away and just kind of paint it onto something and say, okay, that's Linux over there. You know, actually have some support for somebody who maybe they did accidentally buy a Linux machine, but when you call it, when they get called up for support, actually be able to support them. Right. And then is yes, I can say Linux. <laughs> <laughs> then his number one is uh, Linux distributors need to take the traditional desktop seriously. And I think we've lamented that often on this show is that, that they're, they're big on servers. They're, they're all over the place on cell phones and small devices right now, but the desktop is still an afterthought for most of these guys. Or yeah, maybe a second, it's, it's the redheaded stepchild basically because they are so server driven or something, something similar to that. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping open Susie has a, has a good, tester uh, we have a good tester on this one but i'm not going to hold my breath and another story that's almost perennial is that if linux gets more popular will linux viruses follow and i have a one word answer to that yes next question <laughs> well it's a yes but it's also i don't think it'll be the actual linux kernel or something linux itself that gets exploited it'll be like windows is now where it's flash or the PDF right. thing gets exploited. It won't be just, it won't be the directly the lit, the Linux kernel or the Linux subsystems that get, you know, broken through. Well, can you remember the last time there was an OS virus or worm, uh, that was of any consequence? I can't, you know, there's Java viruses, there's flash viruses, there's, there's, you know, macro, there's IE viruses, there's macro viruses and word, but when was the last time there was a windows virus? Or a Mac virus, the OS itself. It's very unusual because we have yep. gotten OSs right-ish Yeah. now. They're now, it, they're now harder to break into. Right. Well, and plus, you know, the way Linux will gain more popularity is whenever it gets out of the geek's hands and into the average consumer. And whereas things that us geeks might know our common security practices and we know he wouldn't do this an average user wouldn't and it's just like you said even if the kernel is bulletproof the java that's loaded on it isn't firefox isn't nobody releases more bug fixes than chrome uh so you know you say oh well linux is bulletproof well fine it might be bulletproof but what you put over it you know, that's going to get shot up getting to the bulletproof thing. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, don't you know, don't wear your Kevlar inside. You know, put it on over the stuff you want to protect. So, hey, I'm wearing these great Kevlar gloves. And, <laughs> you know, so, but yeah. So, anyway, I just, you know, it's one of those that, because, you know, if you, some Linux fanboy talks about how Linux is invulnerable and nobody blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like. Shut up, you idiot. Can't we get past that? Um, you know, but the great thing about Linux is it's open source. Hey, there's this bug, and then 20 different people, oh, here's how you fix it. And then the next week, it, there's an update uh, that takes care of it. So that is a good thing. But, um, you know, you, it doesn't matter what OS, Windows, Mac, Linux, Unix, pick your flavor. Th there, there's bug fixes and there's updates to resolve things that people find that are broken about it. And the same is true with software. Um, but, you know, the one thing, even, uh, you know, 
people will write viruses that are meant to, you know, because like right now, most Java exploits are designed to write to places that are like a Windows file structure. Uh, they will start, you'll start seeing more that are written for a Linux file structure that are saying, hey, what if somebody on Linux did this? Well, let's, this is how it needs to look. So, yeah, And the weakest link in any technological system is the wetware. It's the, the link between the keyboard and the chair. We right. are the problem. Uh, now there is, there is poor code, but you know, we wrote it, uh, humans wrote it, but, but, uh, the stuff today is designed to trick a user into doing something. Why? Because it's easier than getting through the hard security. You know, it's, yes. we've gotten so good operating systems, all of them have gotten so good that it's much easier to pick on the human. And, you know, that, that's never going to go away. It doesn't matter what the humans are using. Uh, there will be uh, exploitations of it. Yep. Down with humans. I, for one, welcome our robotic overlords. <laughs> Thank you, Watson. <laughs> um, okay. Next thing there is is the last one. Um, instead Kevin, of desktop against Windows 8, is, should it really be Android? versus Windows 8. I don't think Microsoft knows. I don't think Microsoft knows what Windows 8 is. Is it a, a desktop OS? Is it a phone OS? I don't think they know. I don't think they do yeah. either. Yeah, they're they're just like, hey, that's a hot market. Let's puke something up over there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got a product here. Uh, we don't know what it does yet, but it's there. Um, you know what? Well, and there's like, you know, Android multi-user support for android is on the way it, it's not here yet in any usable stable fashion but um you know windows 8 has abandoned the desktop and aimed solely for the tablet um so if they're doing that they're running into they're going i see and this is what i don't understand i mean okay i understand probably one day there will be no such thing as a, a desktop well, yeah, you can set your tablet on a desk if you want to. I don't know what you're talking about. But, you know, they went from the desktop where they're the 800-pound gorilla that just growls at you and keeps you out of the room. They're walking into these twin buzzsaws of iOS and Android. Uh, iOS, is it's more polished. It's more stable. It's very pretty. It has a huge app structure and ecosystem android has closed the gap it is very stable it is very mature it's getting more and more secure every week uh the apps are getting better um you know and these viable alternatives that have ecosystem and have a user base and windows is abandoning its strength and it's gonna it is jumping you know head first into this other market and so it just seems, you know, from a strategy standpoint, let's abandon where we're the victors and go somewhere where we've done nothing but suck every time we've tried it. So, uh, and well, let, I, let's I bet think, the company on that. I, I think what they're betting the company on is the fact that uh, the OS, the desktop, isn't the the wave of the future. They've got it now. And they're going right. to continue to have it now, regardless of what Windows 8 does. Windows 7 is well entrenched. Windows XP is well entrenched on desktops across the world. They're okay with that. They've got five or six years to get this right. And I think that's their business, you know, because Microsoft and I talk often, you know, Balmer and I, we're <laughs> buddies. Um, and I think, you know, the last time we were playing golf, I got the impression that, um, they uh they think that they're gonna they're okay with sucking for a few years because it's not what what's gonna hurt their bottom line really, I mean is their stock price gonna fall? Their stock price has been flat for the last ten years. Um, there's really there's no downside to this. They've got time to get it right, and that's what Microsoft does. They release crap and eventually get it really good. And so I think that they're banking the next five years on sucking in the mobile marketplace and then owning it five years later. And and at that time, the desktop will be fading, and they'll be ready to move into the mobile. That's the way I see their business strategy right now. And I can't say that I think they're wrong. No, that's, that's and that's the way they've done things for how many years now? How long has Microsoft been around? That's what they've done. Um, when they started the whole thing, you know, Windows three one for work groups, that was not very good. 
but then 95 came out and it was much better. And then they just moved up the chain like that. It's the whole suck working, suck working, but that's, that's well, yeah, how but, they do development. But how did they win the browser war? We can't compete with that expensive product. Let's give away our crappy product. But now it's we can't compete with that crappy product. Let's charge for our crappy product. Um, so, you know, I just, you know, um, I, I don't know. I just, I, from, from like I say, just a pure strategy standpoint, Android, you know, if anything, uh, Windows is giving the, um, open source community, Linux in general, Android in particular, just an open door to come into the enterprise. Right. You know, as they say the enterprise needs to go mobile, then, you know, it, it the Android doesn't have to say, how can we get in the enterprise? They just stood their ground and the enterprise enveloped them. So well, I think um, they know that Active Directory and Office is going to be their bread and butter for a while, and and nobody's going to take that away. Other people have tried, you know, the the whole Novell uh, thing, you know, but, but Active Directory is in every enterprise in the world, all of them. It may not be the the main one. There are places that are running on Apple servers or running on Novell servers, but Active Directory is there somewhere. Yeah, and they know yeah. that. And Office is there somewhere. So I don't think they're worried about that. I think they're okay with spending a few billion dollars, which they've got, to uh, to monkey around in this. And if it doesn't work, okay, we'll just release server 2015 and keep trucking right along. Yeah, that's what they do. And Linux tries to do it, but they get crucified when Linux does it. Unfortunately, they'll release server 2015 in roughly 2027. That's <laughs> right. the way they do things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, but anyway, it's just, you know, Microsoft has opened up another attack vector against them, right. I guess. I, you know, and, and again, you know, it, it's probably, it probably is the future as much as I lament the fact. Um, but it's just, you know, the thing is, there's, there's viable competitors with deep pockets that can, you know, m you know, if, if Microsoft says, Hey, we're going to sell our product for nothing. To get market share, well, guess what? They've only matched the price of Android. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. so if if you uh, want if you want Linux to to take over the desktop or the mobile space, Linux needs a Steve Jobs. Linux needs a charismatic, uh, crazy, insane focused uh, person that everybody can get behind, no matter how insane he is. Uh, Stallman yeah. has the insane part, but he's not uh, charismatic at all. Uh, Torvalds, uh, while he can write a, a good forum post, is not a guy that I think you want to spend time with at a dinner party. You know, that's just right. not my impression of him. And Linux needs somebody. And the trouble is, we're all geeks. You know, yeah. uh, Jobs wasn't the geek; Wozniak was. So we need we need somebody. Uh, we need a Jobs to be interested in Linux and be insanely focused on it, and be charismatic about it, and then Linux can take over at any price. But uh, it, yeah. that's hard to do when there's no business model, when there's no money to be made. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's what, um, what's his name from Ubuntu? Um, Shuttleworth. Shuttleworth, yeah. I think that's what he's trying to be, but I think he's burning too many bridges in the community to be that guy. I, I, and he, uh, yeah, yeah, he's not that charismatic. He's not that guy mm -hmm. who's yeah. who knows how to he's work. He's trying the media. to be that guy, and yeah, the you know, what do you say about the guy who's trying to be that guy? Well, you're trying <laughs> too hard. You'll never be that right. guy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I totally agree. But yeah, so yes, <laughs> what to, to what you said? Yes to that thing. Yes. They don't call him the best color man in the business for nothing, people. <laughs> and that's pretty much our rundown. Those are our topics of the week, our lists, our contents. You guys who just got to the live stream, we we moved this show an hour early. And uh, I forgot to tweet it because I was dealing with hardware issues. So, sorry, you got here for 15 minutes of the show. But, hey, stick around. we got another show coming up. Um <laughs> 
But what we would like for you guys to do, remember, there were two things I asked you to do at the beginning of the show in installment fashion. Zero, um, give us topics. And one, give us money. <laughs> Sorry, I got to throw that in there. But no, we would like to hear your comments. Good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, we need uh, you guys to, to tell us... Uh, Something we can talk about so that we don't come here and talk about the same stories all the time. Because really, people, the the network, the, the tech news journalists are just recite, re, rewriting the same five stories. And if we keep doing this every week, you're going to hear the same five stories cycled through every five weeks. Yeah. And it's not our fault. <laughs> it's just that we don't, we don't know what to do. But it, yeah, we will be talking about Open Susan next week. And we can certainly talk about new distros as they're released. Uh, but, um, again, I I'm pleading, I am pleading for your input. Tell us what we should talk about. Um, and for those of you who have already made suggestions and I've ignored it, not those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, we might yeah. have to go to those things because we're running out of things to do and we really don't well, want to do those things. So that's going to be more. the command line Godfather show. I mean, uh, and Seth, tell us where they can go to let us know. I'm handing it. I'm big. I'm throwing it to you. You got your big boy announcer pants on. Ready to go. Well, if you head on over to elementop.com and click on the forums button across the top, you will see many. We have a forum section for every show here on the Element OP Network. But uh, I am there right now. You can click on the Everyday Linux section and go and see. I have a thing there where I've put all of my awesome links that I know the public loves and can't get enough of. I have added those. Uh, I update that pretty regularly, as well as if you have comments, feedbacks about the show, if you want to talk about something Linux or not Linux related. Guys, we went a whole show without talking about bacon. What is wrong <gasps> with us? Oh my goodness, what's wrong with us? Well, yeah. according to that website, it's over. Didn't you get the news? Oh. Bacon is over. That's right. Bacon forever. I mean, you know, if we're still talking about Star Trek, 46 years later, Bacon will never die. <laughs> there you Pigs go. Pigs might, but Bacon will live forever. So, My bacon in the fridge right now is now nine days into the curing process. I'm going to let it go a little longer, get it, let it get really ripe, and then I'm going to have to build a smoker again so I can smoke it. <laughs> we might have to skip a show because you're building, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I do love me some bacon. So, okay, we check the box. Bacon was mentioned on this show. Uh, so, Christopher, what is our command line tip of the week? Well, with all the different spyware things that have been floating around, and I know that Linux is supposedly bulletproof, but we all know that rootkits can get into just about anything. There is a built-in rootkit hunter inside of Linux, and it's just, I don't think there's a GUI front end for it, but if you type in RK hunter and then check i think it's checked now it will actually scan your system for all the known root kits um and they keep the list fairly up to date um That's why I've i had heard of it i've actually found one in my linux servers uh, about a year ago i did find a root kit that was it was hiding along with um a bunch of windows files someone had it as a backup on my linux server but I actually was able to find that particular rootkit that was embedded inside of another file with this program. So it's a nice little thing to have installed, and I don't know, if you want to run it, go for it, because you might find something you didn't know was there. I'm, I'm sorry, Chris, is that a command line tool? Yes, it is. Okay, because I was a little confused there, because the website looks like it might be GUI, and I was I thought maybe... The invasion no, of GUI be, snatchers had come. There, there might be. A I've GUI never heard of it, so end. there isn't a really good GUI interface for it. <laughs> okay. Well, like I said, there might be a GUI front end to it, but I do know that there is a Linux or a command line tool. Um, because that's what I use when I whenever I run it, is I just run the command line RK Hunter. Yeah. Okay. I was uh, I was arguing with the chat room and didn't uh, didn't see that that you had said it was a command line tool. So. Uh, uh, Seth, what's our end user tip of the week or our Seth's random stuff he pulled out of his butt link? Well, this one is actually Linux related. I uh, came across this and I thought it was pretty cool. It's on the Everyday Linux User website. Um, the title hey, of their blog post. Hey, they stole our name. That's not fair. 
Well, yeah, they're the everyday Linux user, and we're just everyday Linux. And they've been around since before we have. (laughs) Yeah. But see, they traveled back in time after they heard us. Dadgummit, it's the future, and the mob controls time travel. Everyone go see Looper when it comes. (laughs) Sorry. I I don't know what's wrong with me. uh, (laughs) The list is long, my friend. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have enough time on this show or any show on the Element LP Network to go into that. Um, Ten things the average Joe won't know about Linux. And so he was uh, talking just, and he talks about ten different things that um, people probably don't know about Linux or might not know. And so if you, if somebody asks you, hey, what's this Linux thing about? If you go take a look at this and there'll be links in the show notes, um, it, you know, like one, what is Linux? What is a distribution? How do I know which distribution is right for me? What is a desktop environment? Where can I get Linux distributions? Questions like that. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a really good primer for talking about linux and not you know of course the uh the gray beards and bandana guys they'll eat your lunch um but you know you cannot sound like a complete idiot um like i do quite often so i like number 10 is why would i want to use linux instead of windows he gives a very honest answer you know the answer to this question might be that you wouldn't and you don't get that kind of honesty at a lot of linux websites no. Right. And certainly not well, Linux it's free, It's virus proof. It's the best thing ever. It can run, you know, and I mean, <laughs> so. yeah. but yeah. So anyway, it's a, it's a really cool intro into Linux and, uh, you know, and it's not full of, you know, pseudo app, get blah, blah, blah. That, um, but you know, it's just like, a you very, mean the stuff Chris likes. Yes. So Chris, you wouldn't salivate over this website, but, uh, it's more of a good, um, just a good kind of high-level overview of what Linux is. Awesome. All right. And the last thing I have to say, if you like this show, share it with 10 of your best friends or 10 people you don't really know that well. That's fine, too. Uh, get the word out. Uh, I would I would like that. I would consider that a personal favor if you would do that. Point them to elementopi.com slash EDL for Everyday Linux. And uh, you could find us on Twitter and Facebook. Element OP at Element OP on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Element OP. Leave us a voicemail. We haven't had one of those in a while. And that is 559-I-AM-OP. And we will play it on the show. That's a threat and a promise. We'll do it. You dare or you might even ridicule you. <laughs> you can go to the website and have the show call you. Well, not really the show, but Google Voice. And it sounds cooler, I guess, yeah. when we say it that way. Jim Jim Beeson in the chat room says he has no friends. I'm afraid that may actually be part of the problem with doing a Linux show is there's no word of mouth because they're all in their mother's basements. And they yeah, we're all, <laughs> all of our friends are here already. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I, they, I started the show in, insulting the audience, and now I'm ending the show. It's, why would anybody listen to the show? I don't know. Because it amazes me. Masochistic. <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm, I can't think of what that word is. It makes me, it's going to make me insane. There's a different word other than masochists. The pugilist? No, that's fighters. It's something else. Anyway, I'm going to go Google it now. And while I do that, while I go Google, that's personal, I'm going to say that ends this episode of Everyday Linux. Thanks, everybody. Bye.